The story is told, though who can say if it be true, of a clan of medieval warriors awoken in modern-day Manhattan, of the animated series that told their story. It is an age of darkness, superstition and the sword rule. It is an age of fear. It is the age of gargoyles. Welcome to Voices from the Eerie, a Gargoyles podcast. This is Nightwatch, reporting from New York, Travis Marshall. Tonight, more on the news that has rocked Manhattan, if not the world. Welcome back, Gargoyles fans, to our news section of Voices from the Eerie. I'm your co-host, Greg Lashansky, and the biggest news, Jennifer's back. That's not the biggest news. That's not not the biggest news. <laughs> no, it's good to be back, seriously. <laughs> seriously you were missed we, re- we received tweets and messages it wasn't the same we miss her <laughs> i hope you saw some of them <laughs> <laughs> i did see some of them they're very sweet thank you everyone i think the implication being oh my god those two guys without you <laughs> <laughs> yeah I-, I tend to think that i tend to think that we need you on the show we really do oh my goodness you too mm-hmm but we do have a little bit of news to discuss, but before we do, since people were at curious about your opinions, quickly, your opinion on Gargoyles issue seven, Demona's return. Well, I think um, we all know that I am a hundred percent for Demona's return, and I love, I loved her spying on everyone. I thought that was great, just her, her whole thing. Like, I love that she comes home and calmly takes off her her jewelry and everything. <laughs> like, she's got a routine now. Like. <laughs> Uh-uh. It was, an, yeah. It was also an off-screen nude scene that no one could possibly object to. That is not referencing anything at all. Nothing at all. No, um, no. But um, it set up some fun stuff. Um, I can't wait to see what, what more we get from her. Same here. Dark Ages issue one, the big premiere. Briefly, mm. what? How'd you like that? I. It, it was. It was. Uh, that was just a lot of fun. Like just the new. The new old faces, um, just getting introduced to these these characters that we've known have existed for so long, and and seeing just a little, and you know, getting that backstory, getting you know the setup for it, and um, knowing that things just don't end up very pretty at the end. <laughs> well, they didn't call it Dark Ages because of, because of a lack of light. No, nope. it was kind and... of fun, like trying to match up, like who we thought who was whose parentage and stuff like that. And um, and Hudson's mate is my favorite. I love her so much. So well, much. We're, we're going to get the first impressions of Dark Ages <laughs> 2 in a few minutes. <laughs> no, I want to talk about it. Yeah. And finally, um, because we did Double Jeopardy last time, briefly, what do you think of Thalog? What do you think of that episode? What do I... Uh, I mean... Uh, of of course, these two guys couldn't rein their ego in long enough to not create a monster. So, they log um, definitely like because we've got all of these villains that just very uh, Demona's, you know, our our gargoyle villain, you know, and we've got our human villains, but now we've got Thalog, who might just 
outsmart them all. And he's just a fun character. And just, uh, you can tell Keith absolutely just has so much fun with it, too. Just enjoys. Definitely. Those lines. Thank you for coming back on. We're glad to catch up with you on those because we missed you last time, and we really did. And some news briefly in the NECA front. Business suit Xanatos, Elisa Maza, and armored Xanatos are expected to ship any minute now. By the time that it sits, they're expected to ship any minute. I don't know which order they're coming out in, but apparently they put armored Xanatos up for pre-order a few weeks ago, and he's ready. So um, I just got to notice the place I'm, is shipping him on August 10th. Well, they already got the Steel Clan, and he's just a repaint with a different head. So um, Definitely. Greg, did you go to the S- to NECA's booth at SDCC? No, I mean, I wasn't at the convention. I mean, I was in San Diego for less than 24 hours, and um, I went down to uh, the floor before my panel, but I had like a, like a half hour. Uh, I saw Brianna Garcia uh, and her, her fiancé, who was dressed as Puck. Um, and, uh, that was nice. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I started at one end of the floor and walked and I was like keeping my eye out for NECA's booth, but just whatever path I was on, it wasn't in immediate view. And, uh, I wanted to see Brianna and, uh, uh, and so I did not, uh, spot just getting booth. Just getting from one end of the floor to the other is a, a task. So if it's yeah. if it's if it's anything like New York Comic Con, and I hear it's worse. Well, I don't. I mean, it wasn't as bad. I mean, for a lot of reasons, um, it wasn't as bad as it's been in prior years. Uh, but um, it was, you know, crowded enough. I, it's not like I could just wander rapidly up and down aisles i ha- basically had to go in a straight line from one end to the other and i was looking around for NECA. like if i had spotted it i would have gone over there and checked it out but i didn't spot it which could mean that it you know it was just further down the aisle and i didn't see it or uh or just when i was walking by someone tall was walking by in front of me and i didn't see it <laughs> but it just that's what it came down to i didn't see it got to the other end artist alley um, found Brianna, uh, said hi, and uh, and then basically had to go up and do my panel. So I, uh, and then on the way out, uh, was meeting with a couple people, and then had to catch my train. And so I just literally never. Uh, that was all the time I spent on the floor, and so I never saw it. Oh well. Well, they showed off. Uh... Detective Broadway from the Silver Falcon, which is going to be a store exclusive. We don't know where yet. They showed off a new Demona Goliath Vows 2-pack. They're making us double dip, and I'm going to do it because it comes with new faceplates, new weapons. It doubles the City of Stone. She comes with her Season 2 blaster, a mace, City of Stone style, and... And the most important... the Phoenix Gate. The Phoenix Gate. <laughs> <laughs> so the first Demona release has a Grimoire. Xanatos is coming with the Eye of Odin. The Phoenix Gate. So the three keys. We got all to three power. of them now. <laughs> so yeah, I'm double dipping. And they that said works. They were that sh- works for a, for 
at least a few more months until I introduce three new keys of power in the comic. <laughs> nice. And and they also announced that uh, they were going to show Macbeth. The sculpt hasn't been approved yet, but they're hoping to show him off in a few months and maybe a few other things. So they're still going strong. And our last piece of San Diego Comic-Con news, I hear this is Halloween special coming out briefly. What's that about? What's it about? It's about the gargoyles. <laughs> it's about gargoyles the gargoyles on Halloween. enjoying Halloween. It's uh, set uh, in 1997. So we've seen Halloween for the gargoyles in 95 and 96. So this is 97. It's always a big holiday for our clan. Um, and in particular, this is... Uh, um, Nash's first uh, Halloween in Manhattan. So that's that's the uh, focus of the issue is his first Halloween. And then, you know, chaos ensues. Uh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> you, you think that they would stop celebrating Halloween? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, have a, we have a story. You know, it's fun. But uh, there are Her? callbacks to, there are a lot of callbacks to previous halloweens and uh uh but it's a new story i think it's really fun it's uh long it's a you know it's not just 22 pages it's 28 pages and um and i uh, i've seen full fancy special um, yeah i've seen a just the first couple pages of pencils uh is all i've seen so far as we are recording this which is in early august uh I'm sure I'll see more in the days that follow, but so far it's just looking great. So um, I'm pretty excited about this. It's a one-shot special, uh, Gargoyles Halloween special, and coming out, not surprisingly, in October of wow. 1997. No, no, uh, 2023. <laughs> well, it's a good thing we got the Phoenix Gate in there. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And now we're going to do our brief first impressions on Gargoyles issue eight. Love seeing Jackal and Hyena again. We got Wolf. I don't think we'd seen Jackal and Hyena since uh, the Green, since 1996. Those gruesome some SOBs. Love them. And, uh, and appropriate, this is attached to our upgrade episode. <laughs> cool. It's like yeah. we planned it. We really, we really, really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say about that fight scene and how quickly Goliath took them out, I felt the same way I did during that opening fight scene in Upgrade that's coming up. And I'm thinking, they've lost their edge again. They're going to need to get it back. So I'm expecting some ultra developments in their future. <laughs> I'm... I. The, the the whole issue, I just absolutely love Cold Fire more than I ever, ever thought I would. <laughs> I know I say it every time that she shows up at the comic, but I freaking love her so much. She's amazing. I, I really, um, she's brought a balance to the clan that uh, I think was missing, frankly. Uh, I mean, from a writing standpoint, I'm glad you feel that way in the reading, but I definitely in the writing that um she's added an element uh to the clan that was truly missing and and i am uh and it 
it's a lot of fun to ride her. Of course, I've got CC's CCH Pounder's voice in my head. Absolutely. Yeah. When I ride her, but uh it, it's she's easy to write. I mean, it just uh I I, I feel I, locked in on her and, and it feels good. She just feels like an anchor. Like she's so level headed and so considering everything that's happening and um you know, and then there's Coldstone who's just sitting screaming in the background. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I, I just, I love her. Like, she's just, oh, and I can just do those calculations now. And like, <laughs> no, she's pretty amazing. Um, uh, it was nice to see Goliath's head is still harder than hyenas. Um, <laughs> um, Wondering what's going to happen with Tony here. Yeah, I love that. What what's going to go on with that? Like, what's uh, he looked a little scared? He was scared. Well, yeah, I mean, it's got to be pretty shocking when you find out your uncle wants you dead. <laughs> Uncle's like, "Oops, if, oops, you killed him. Oops." <laughs> you know, if you just got to say "oops" and walk away in case he, if he dies, "oops." And I love seeing Dino sporting his Brooklyn mask again. The guy's a real bastard. I'm enjoying him. That whole scene, I was just like, uh, he's just creepy. (laughs) Just creepy, and I feel so bad for those two. Me too. Mafia brats or not. They don't deserve to be locked in a cage like that. Let them commit crimes, and I know they deserve to be locked in a cage. Then lock them in a cage. (laughs) They're so in love. Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Looking forward to where that go- goes. And I think issue nine is going to be a big one. Like I said last time, I'm on the edge of my seat. I don't know whether we're going to get the Gargoyles universe equivalent of the Dred Scott decision or not, but uh, we're, we're going to find out. You've got me in suspense. So we'll. There's a lot of things time. in play right now, like a lot of things up in the air. So mm-hmm. that was the game plan to yeah. get a lot of. You know, um, a lot of a lot ideas. Of, I'm looking forward to see how they there. all fall together. Yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I uh, I've written issue ten. I've written nine, uh, nine and ten are written, um, and I've written, and I I know what happens in eleven and twelve, but let's see if I pull it off. <laughs> uh, you know, the idea is I'm trying to sort of show in this arc, uh, I'm trying to sort of get a sense of, of Manhattan and the gargoyles place in it. You know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the gargoyles lives that isn't specific to the city, you know, um, children of Oberon stuff, frankly, Demona's long-term plans, all that kind of stuff. Um, aren't necessarily specific to the city. It may start there, but Demona's plan obviously isn't just about conquering New York city. It's about conquering the world. Um, Right. Um, But I wanted to really in this, these 12 issues um, get a sense of what, what is the gargoyles uh, role in the city now that they uh, that the world knows they exist, you know what? How how 
are they woven in or, or uh, excised from um, the life of Manhattan? Uh, and that's what I'm trying to um, do. Uh, and I'm feeling really good about it. But yeah, let, we'll see if I pull it off. If I stick the landing, you know, we, that's I, a whole I think you. I think you will. So far, it's all come in together. And oh well, you just not... like me. You have to say that. But I wouldn't. I mean, if it sucks, I'm going to tell you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, anyway, mm-hmm. anyway, and now first impressions of Dark Ages issue two. Alas, poor Verity. We hardly knew her. I was heartbroken. I was heartbroken yeah. for her. I was heartbroken for mentor. I, was I mean, so angry at those two girls. <laughs> I'm glad they. Oh. I'm glad they got him. I'm glad they they got him. they get, they didn't get Colin yet, but they got her killer. Although Greg, I need to ask at this point. I mean, once it's happenstance, twice it's a coincidence. We're on our third bald guy named Val. Oh, huh. we're collecting. Really? collecting vowels <laughs> yeah we had an issue nine of slg we had duval then in the uh time dancer arc we had brother valmont now we've got this lord valois guy and it's uh, a it's a vowel movement yes it is <laughs> and <laughs> wait and um i was also reminded of a certain radio play that spear he dropped the head detaching was very interesting was it I it's, think it was. I feel like there was a focus there. I like that we got a little sorcerer battle thing happening. That was fun. Yeah, seeing a slightly younger archmage and uh, looking forward to seeing what his relationship with is with this guy, Valois. They obviously know one another. Valois. They were Valois. 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 French. Valois. Valois. They go French. Valois. There you go. There you go. I'm a moron. Thank you, Valois. No, uh, <laughs> yeah. not I'm a moron. moron. I'm just telling you how. <laughs> Thank you. I do appreciate uh, that. I'm convinced now that the Archmage never had hair on his head. <laughs> like he was always an old man and he never had hair. Some of us use it, lose it young, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the, the thing, the challenge I felt in the issue is, um, we only met Verity one issue ago. And uh, so, you know, uh, the trick to it was, have we done enough to make her? For us to mourn and, her. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it, you know, if you. And I, uh, I hope the answer is yes. I feel like it's yes. But it, uh, it, that was for me the big challenge of the issue was trying to uh, not just of this issue but of both of the first two issues that was the biggest challenge of them which was that we've got uh, uh, very little time and and page space to uh, to characterize her enough and her relationship with uh, mentor uh, that is Hudson um, enough so that uh, when she goes halfway through the issue, I've mean, got a, an issue and a half to to make you care about her enough to make that death significant. 
you know, I'm not saying we'll never see her again in flashbacks, you know, that kind of thing, but basically uh, it's a, it's a challenge. And, uh, but I think you pulled uh, so it off. Cause I, I, especially um, the fir- mm-hmm. last, the, that first issue and just, I feel like um, her relationship with mentor was very well established what they were like i uh, loved her her outlook on things and how she handled him and um their thoughts about the future and stuff and, and just i i thought i she was precious i loved her, her clear influence on goliath human problems become gargoyle problems that she would later say in mia that was terrific and yeah. um one more observation for me. I pointed this out last time, and I had no idea I would be so right. Angel and Hippolyta are those two friends <laughs> that the parents never want to get together because bad things happen. Oh, my gosh. I was mad at them. I still am. I'm mad right now. <laughs> uh, I, like you, know, like you knew it was going to go sideways the second that they dive into it. Like... There's no way that's going to end good. Uh, you know, it's a it's a complicated thing. I, I like writing the relationship. It's really uh, interesting to me. Um, it's always interesting to sort of see Demona as Angel, um, as this more, uh, and this is even further back than the Angel we saw in in episodes like Long Way to Morning and Vows. This is even you know. A, more than a decade before vows. Um, so she's young. Five years. She's before, really young. Four years, four years before vows. Really? Is that all? 975, 971. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, she's really young. Um, and it's interesting to me to write her and write that relationship with Hippolyta and her relationship to, uh, to Verity and Mentor and um, and Goliath and it, you know, Demona is an endlessly fascinating character in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, in every way, probably. <laughs> but, uh, I agree. But uh, you know, I really am getting a kick out of writing this younger version of her i mean all this is information in essence i haven't had to execute it let me put it that way but it's all information i've had in my head for so long um and then it becomes okay can i get it out in a way that lives up to um to my expectations of what i wanted this story to be and and obviously i'm hugely aided by uh, well, George in the main book and, and Drew here, uh, their work, at, you know, I mean, that the shot of Hudson holding Verity is heartbreaking, you know, that does most of my work for me. Oh, my God. Just <laughs> her sitting there like where she's kneeling with her har- arms on her chest. And I was just like, <gasps> what a great visual that was, too. Like, just. Oof. Yeah. And you did a so great it, job. You really did. I mean, it's and the reaction shots, you know, which are an obvious thing as a writer for me to say, okay, and I want a reaction shot from the bad guy, and I want a reaction shot from Hippolyta and from Demona and from Mentor. Um, that's easy for me to write. 
you know, um, not necessarily easy for Drew to draw, but he just knocks it all out of the park. I know I keep saying that over and over again about both his work and George's, but, um, you know, the proof is on the page. Uh, yeah, it's, Breathtaking. These books are blessed with yeah, great artists. Really terrific stuff. And um, you know, the even the, uh, you know, the last page, just that close-up mm. on mentor. Oh so good. Oh, mm. they're gonna be in so much trouble. <laughs> Colin's days, maybe even his hours are numbered. I am sure of that. Cannot wait. Yeah. Yeah. I love that whole like debate though that they had there. Um, with uh, you know, what's one gargoyle like, you know, and but you know, we've got a pact and that whole like back and forth conversation about how they're going to handle this situation and how every each one of them looks at it differently. Um, but it, and which is and it's really brief, but you get as an see what each mind is thinking right there, uh, on how they would handle it. So Loved it. And I cannot I mean, wait if to people an- want a sense of what happens in issue three of Dark Ages, look up the history of how uh, <laughs> Helen died. <laughs> because I uh, worked really hard to, to work um, in that history, to make that history play out. <laughs> I cannot As much wait. research as I could manage to do. Um yeah, you can spoil it for yourself if you want to look up the history. And I might, but I'm add gargoyles. I'm, as <laughs> I might actually. I, th- I think I'll wait and I'll read the history after the issue comes out. That's what I'm going to do. I want to experience this. All right. Well, I, I look forward to our eventual deep dive on Dark Ages, and I want to. And in the meantime, we're going to switch gears a bit. We're going into upgrade now, and Tom Adcox will be joining us. Stay tuned. This has been Nightwatch. Sleep well. Welcome back, Gargoyles fans. Another episode of Voices from the Eerie. I'm your co-host, Greg Bashansky, And joining me, as usual, is my co-host, Jennifer L. Anderson. Hello. And we're pleased to have back with us, as always, the co-creator and supervising producer of the show and the writer of the SLG and Dynamite comic book, Mr. Greg Wiseman. Hi, everyone. And we're very pleased to reintroduce back on the show, Tom Adcox Hernandez, the voice of Lexington. With the McDonald's Coke, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Always have a McDonald's Coke everywhere I go. (laughs) So, Tom, before we get started, we were chatting before this whole thing, before we started recording, and show the audience what you're wearing. I promise you guys it's wholesome. How far do I have to go? Ooh, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> that is for our Patreon subscribers who get the video yeah, version. If you want to see that, come down. over to our... <laughs> If you want to see, you have to come on over to our Patreon. Subscribe to our Patreon at Spider Dude Network on Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll show the tattoos next. I'm only kidding, no. only fans page. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we show the tattoos. Is the yeah. only fan stage. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> well, it's good to have you back with us, Tom. 
Oh, I'm glad to be back. And I love that I get to see your face this time. It's I know. We are doing it on the phone, but this is great. It's really great. I feel like the gang yeah, the is back year, together. Yeah, the yes. first year was so successful. We were able to upgrade our equipment. People are listening. People are loving it. And um, our feedback That's has awesome. been terrific. What we really struck with the iron was hot. I mean, I had a feeling with the show back on. Disney Plus would be a good time to do it, but I had no idea all this new merchandise, new comics, and everything would follow. I mean, uh, it's been fantastic. Really, this little really renaissance has. we've, we've been, been we've been just buried under merch. It's That's been great. great. That's really good. expensive, but great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I heard you uh, you two had dinner the other night. Yes, we did. We had sushi. We did. How long did it take you guys to decide where you were going to (laughs) eat? Not long at all. So so I'm the, I'm the factor that makes it difficult for us to figure out where we're going. (laughs) I think it was the second choice. He said, we have, (laughs) we have Italian, we have sushi. I go sushi. Okay. He named a few others, but we'd already been. They make it so easy when I'm not there. (laughs) And I believe you're also joined by, um, Zara Fuzzle, who loaned her voice to our podcast intro. Yeah. Not for dinner. We saw her we saw her earlier that day. Uh we went to see uh Kiss of the Spider Woman at uh Noise Within, which is a theater company in Pasadena that um I subscribe to. And uh Zara joined us for that with uh her fiance Barry and um it and Nicole Dubuque's too. parents, Nicole Dubuque's parents were there. Not Nicole. Nicole, Not Nicole. and her husband, Brian Holfelder, in uh, Japan now. Um, but Nicole's parents came. And uh, Kevin Hotz was there. Wow. And my, uh, my friends, Mike and Alan, were there. So there were like uh, <clears throat> nine of us. And it, it was, was great. Fun. The show was great. Yeah. Awesome. Really good. Nice. And Tom, what have we been up to since we've last spoken? Um, nothing. A lot of tennis. Just a lot of tennis. <laughs> tennis. Swimming. Almost tennis. Swimming. Dancing house, dancing house tours on Facebook. You told me you told me the other night you don't swim, you float. I really don't. I don't swim. <laughs> I float. <laughs> I, I just sink, so you're, you're one up on me. No, it's been... Um, I don't know. Auditions have been on and off. I'll get like a batch of a shitload of auditions all of a sudden, and then uh, then nothing for a couple of weeks, and then I'll get a crap load of them. And they said these are due tomorrow. It's like ten auditions. <laughs> pick ten of the characters you like on this script. It's like oh god, but it's good. I'm doing good. I drove. I drove down and saw a friend of mine from fourth grade. I drove to New Mexico, Las Cruces, New Mexico, because I have a friend that's not doing very well. He was in the hospital there. So I took a long ride. I don't mind driving. So it was, I think, 650 miles. That's not that's not bad. It really wasn't. It was, I think and, it was like eight hours, nine hours to get there. And it's it's a pretty boring drive, though. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> It's like being driving on the moon on most of that. I know. I was like, is there anything interesting to see on this entire drive? 
But yeah, so I stayed there for four days and then I drove back and what a good friend you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen him in quite we've been friends since fourth grade. And I he's like we lost touch for years, but yeah, that was good. Oh, that's and, good. Uh, that's very good. Yeah, last time we spoke to you was a few days before you got to voice a talking bus, which turned out to be a hell of a lot of fun. Oh, that was so fun. <laughs> the talking bus. <laughs> that was great. That was so right. Good. What were you when, when you came up with that one? Uh, you know, it was just the culmination of a decade's worth of planning. You know, um, it was. I mean, let's be honest. He wasn't a talking bus. He was clearing. He was playing clearing. Yeah. It's just yeah. clearing took possession of a bus because that's what you do when you lose your body. What other choice did he have? So, <laughs> uh, you know, Brandon and I had been planning that seeds with that bus since uh season one so you're kidding no oh how fun dang it dang it dang it <laughs> I love those that. of you not in the know they are discussing young justice right now oh that's right <laughs> there better not be yeah. any people in the not know right and if you <laughs> haven't watched young justice you need to go watch young justice right now Okay, wait till the wait till the podcast is done and then you can go watch it. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Jen, for making sure people knew we kind of get it. You know, whenever we have Tom on, we kind of uh, get carried away and lose track of what we're doing. I know. You're a big distraction, but we love you. (laughs) I know. I don't know how it's just me, I guess. (laughs) All right. All the time. Yeah. Last time you were on, we didn't talk much about your previous live action work. I was looking through your credits and, um, I didn't realize we were on Falcon Crest. Granted, that was yeah. a long time ago. And <laughs> the thing I remember most the thing I remember most about that show was that famous cat fight in the fountain. I don't even remember that. Was that the one there was a cat fight in? Yeah, it's Falcon, Falcon Crest. Really? Yeah, I was just yes. I never watched the show. I was on it for the last year. And then of course I started watching it when I was on it. But uh that was a that was a, a blast to do that uh show. It was so, so extravagant. To, oh my god! And I had to have wear suits and everything, which is <laughs> you know you guys know. I I don't even think I own a suit. He hardly owns pants. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, a that, shorts and a t-shirt, man. <laughs> that was a um a, a I went in I I and I went in for one role, and I stopped on the way because I was starving. And I got sugar, powdered sugar donuts. And so I was eating. <laughs> so I don't know why. Pop I don't even know where he's going with this story, but I love it already. <laughs> I, I was in, I was in the waiting room with the other actors. And then all of a sudden it popped into my head because I was, they said, well, we want you to read for this character. He's kind of, uh, he gets kind of irritated easily. And so I went, I've got these donuts. I go. And so what I did, I told the, when it was my turn, I told the producers, all the producers were in there. I said, Hey, I, I'm going to knock on the door and I'm going to answer the door. Like you guys are like, there's somebody bothering me knocking on the door and they go, Oh, Okay, so what I did, I closed the door and I took a big bite of the powdered sugar donut and I got it all over my face and I pounded on the door really hard and I answered the door. I went, "What? Oh, hi!" Like because and I was supposed to talk to the the people and I finished and they they just cracked up and they gave me this other role that was a bigger role than the one I read for and so that's how I got that. It was 
So I started carrying around powdered sugar. Powdered sugar donuts. <laughs> the lucky donut. Yeah. Nice. Uh, tell tell the popsicle you. story. Oh, that was uh, that that AMPM commercial. I did yeah. this AMPM commercial, and these. I think about it. Those producers were kind of perverted because they kept telling me, really go at that popsicle. Really. I'm like, what the, huh? Like really, like really go at that popsicle. And I was just like, are they doing this to like make fun of me or something? And so they, and I kept at, and then they wanted me to take a bite and take a bite. And we shot for two days straight and I was eating that fucking popsicle and biting it and biting it. And my teeth got, it got so bad that I had to go to the hospital because I, my, I had pain in my front teeth going up into my roots. And um, it turned out it was from all the, all the biting of the popsicle. So that was a, <laughs> that commercial got so much. I never got recognized more than anything I'd ever done than that commercial. I mean, people always go AMPM guy. Oh my God. AMPM guy. Was you like, got what? four of the boys on your, your resume. I know. The AMPM I, I, I worked with Bette Midler and the <laughs> amazing Steven Seagal. <laughs> that dick. With your, with, your amazing, <laughs> with your amazing computer skills. He, that, no, Steven Seagal. Yeah, yeah I was, besides, I was about to point out, I was about to say, yeah, you also worked with Vladimir Putin's favorite Hollywood actor. Yeah, he, he lives there now. He lives there. Yeah, he, was, he was so obnoxious. I would get to the set, and I was in like like 10 little scenes throughout the whole film. I'd get there. And I and I go to say my line, and he wasn't in any scenes I was in, and he'd be off camera because he was a producer, and he'd go, "Stop, you're not saying that line." She is, and there was rumors that he was screwing this, this extra, and he was married to Kel Kelly LeBrock at the time, and everybody what? on the set knew. They go, "Oh my god, that he's fucking that girl," and all of a sudden I'd come in, and my lines are like disappearing, and he was giving them to this uh, extra, so she'd have lines. And I was like, oh, I just couldn't stand that man. He's he just seems greasy. Oh, it's always <laughs> the untalented ones that are are horrifying. Because I work, I because I went from working with Moira Kelly, who was the most incredible, awesome, kind, beautiful human, and Martin Sheen, uh, and Heather Graham from a, it was a movie called Entertaining Angels the Dorothy Day story. And that set was like heaven. Everybody was so kind. And, and then I went from that to that, to Under Siege Part 2, which is such a shitty movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like the first one wasn't good. Then they made a second one. <laughs> I know. There's a movie later on Executive Decision starring Kurt Russell. Steven Seagal dies like 15 minutes into the movie. It's the best part of the entire movie. Gets oh, blown that's out of the great. <laughs> gets blown out of the plane. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I haven't seen it either. So, yeah. Well they, ad well, they advertise him as the co-star of the movie, and then he dies about 10 minutes into the thing, so that made it worth it. <laughs> oh. All right, kids, let's focus back on Garfield. Oh, focus. Yes, oh, yes, we definitely should. And we do have an episode to discuss. Um, upgrade. We're upgrading the conversation from Steven Seagal to Gargoyles. <laughs> That's a I mean, you could talk about dog crap and it's an upgrade from Steven Seagal. Exactly. But Gargoyles is way better than all of that. The best show ever. 
this episode <laughs> is definitely up there, one of my all-time favorites. All right, yeah, I, I really like this. The themes of the episode feed into the title, characters advancing and upgrading. I mean, Brooklyn becomes second in command yeah. later on. And um, and then the pack all does their weird upgrades. and Body horror. That was so cool when it's... I was watching the episode again. The um, it was very reminiscent of when uh, got like the the zombies. Now there, some of them are going. Uh, all weird. You know what it reminded me of? Um, uh, the first time I saw it was the thing. Like when, yeah. like her arms and legs would come off, and or she jumped on his back. On totally, back. it totally reminded me of that kind of thing, thing, thing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was I, super creepy. There's a lot of creepy bits it, in this one. I was really shocked at all how creepy and how ahead of its time it was. Again, how it was always ahead of its time, but that those those creaks the way they made it was just like the one that you watched the zombies it's the the one that ryan murphy did where uh i forget which one it was it was american horror, horror story couple a couple of them ago and they had those oh, zombies make that creaky sound and it and was move all weird and yeah, yeah it yeah. was really i thought it was so cool yeah but i knew brooklyn was gonna get it i just knew it <laughs> you didn't think you had a shot at all I thought I had a little shot, but um, I kind of, you know, I kind of thought he he deserved it. But I think I think each one of them could have been a good leader in their own way. But uh, yes, kind of Brooklyn kind of had all of the aspects. He was more well-rounded. Yeah. than yeah. I think that's what I think, too. So. We agree. <laughs> <laughs> And that takes all the pressure off of Lex, man. He didn't have to worry about being the leader then. You know, it's just... true. <laughs> I was a little hurt, though. I have to say, I was a little hurt oh, as an actor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, personally, <laughs> I I can relate to it now because I, I recently got promoted at my job, and now I have to be a leader among my former team when I was just one of the team for a long time. And it's uh, there's pressure, but I'm enjoying it also. Yeah. And... And Greg, one of the things I really like about this, and Gargoyles as a whole has always been very good at avoiding villain decay. You open the episode with the pack, except for the fact that they do take out Goliath on their way out. They still kind of get their asses handed to them. It's an it's a relatively easy fight for our heroes, and most shows do nothing to try to avoid this. They will just keep bringing back the same villain over and over and i liked how you did it here to give them a physical edge on our heroes and you did something similar in spectacular spider-man with the enforcers i remember there are people complaining about that oh they're not really the enforcers anymore and i'm thinking they're in a world with superheroes and supervillains now they need to keep up and i was thinking of this episode also at the time but um what are your thoughts uh you know i i mean we've talked about this on the podcast before uh you do have to watch out for villain decay. You've got to make sure that one way or another, um, if you want to maintain a good rogues gallery, that the villains um, keep up with the heroes. I mean, our heroes, not a big shock, tend to win. Um, and what, what, so what, is, what, what you, is villain decay? I mean, what is that? Basically the idea that. that, you know, that after a period of time, 
the audience begins to just feel like this villain isn't a threat anymore because the oh. heroes have defeated that villain so many times before. Oh, okay. It's like, oh, it's this guy again, or it's this gal again. And um, and great, they're kind of fun, but you know, kind of a foregone conclusion because they always lose. But That's if you do things to, in essence, upgrade them, or you know, we had different tactics for different characters um you know xanatos avoids villain decay because you thought you knew what he was after and no actually he was after something else and and he won he doesn't decay because actually he always wins um but with something like the pack um who you know tend to do some damage but then get their asses kicked by the end of the episode time after time after time you want to make sure that you're constantly uh changing the paradigm with them so we had done it in season two earlier uh by adding coyote to the mix um who was a much bigger physical threat Uh and now we're gonna do it again by you know wolf is a strong guy but he's still at the end of the day just a guy and so up against goliath he can get a punch in or two but he's just not on goliath's level well now guess what he is um and dingo's got these weapons but you know he now he's got flying armor you know and uh jacqueline hyena are these sick cyborgs and um and coyote upgrades from being a human-sized robot to you know this mech you know size uh i mean not not kaiju size but uh but you know it's a big you know goliath's eight feet tall this new coyote robot's like 10 feet tall um and is actually stronger than goliath and um so you know it it for us that was for to, a way to take the pack and and keep them as viable threats uh as the series continued and then you know part then the question becomes how do you introduce this concept mm-hmm. so we see our uh four remaining uh pack members since fox is sort of out of that and last we saw coyote was destroyed so you see wolf and jackal and hyena and dingo and they're reduced to robbing a bank that's never what they were about but that's what they've sort of been reduced to and Dingo is sort of the voice throughout the episode of, I can't believe this is what we're doing now. Or, I can't believe you did that to yourself, you know, throughout the episode. Yeah. But, you know, there's still a challenge. Goliath does get badly injured. Um, and, uh, but, you know, they only get away with a quarter of the money that they stole. Um, and things aren't going that well. And then there's, you know, they're flying through the air in the attack attack vehicle and there's a knock on the door, which I love. That's like one of my favorite moments. It's like, wait, they're flying. (laughs) Who's knocking on the door? I don't understand how that works. That's a door you do not open. I'm sorry. That's just not the door you open. (laughs) Well, they're glad they did because, hey, it's that head it's the head <laughs> remember the head that was hysterical from the end of uh leader of the pack uh 
you know, it, it just floats down and it's still damaged. And I, I just fell in love with that image. It was so cool. Was so so that became coyote, you know, half Xanatos, half robot, um, robot skull, you know, um, and so creepy. It was yeah. so creepy. <laughs> and when it talks, it's, it's so cool. And, uh, the, the teeth and, and like it, show on the it's, side. It's like a, He's like a pitch man. He's like, maybe you'll like this. Or if not, maybe you'll like this. Or if not, maybe you'll like this. Show them what's yeah. behind door number three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they all go for, you know, th- there's a diverse response to this. Um, really diverse <laughs> response to this. And uh, pretty soon uh, we've got, you know, the next encounter, which comes uh, at the construction site. And the reveals, the order of the reveals were really important to me. So we've already seen the little head zipping around, right? On its little tiny hover sled or whatever you want to call it. Um, And so then, you know, Dingo comes down and he's wearing this armor. Oh, wow. Dingo's really upgraded. But then you see uh, Jackal. And he's become cybernetic. And then you see Hyena and she's become cybernetic, but she's twisted in really strange, creepy ways. And then you see Wolf, who's uh, turned into this, you know, genetic mutate werewolf. And, and so each time we're upping the ante, you know, as we go through this. And then finally, you know, we've seen the little head, but we haven't seen yet is the big giant robot and who sort of uh tops them all and uh that is to me like the fun of it is that hey you oh we see they're wearing armor now oh wow no they're cyber oh there's mutate oh wow that is a big robot (laughs) (laughs) um and for me that's the fun of it you know is that um even within this upgrade, there are levels of it. And uh, so the, it's just sort of one revelation after another. And if you do it in the right order, which you did finally, not the first time it aired, but by the second time it aired, um, uh, you know, the revelations come in the right order and it's just, wow, how are I guys going to win? And the answer is they're not. They're not going to win. And then until, you know, the very end of the episode, and that was all about strategy. You know, it wasn't about overpowering them. It was about splitting them up and uh, and strategically taking them out one by one. Um, and uh, even then, at the end of the episode, there's a, you know, for Coyote, it's massive Terminator influence, the original very first Terminator movie, because yeah. you keep damaging this robot and you think, okay, now he's down. Now he's dead. No, he's not down. Now he's down. Oh, no, he's getting up again. No, now he's down. Okay. Then we hit him with a train and he completely. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole head crushing thing was, yeah, was just like, cool. whoa. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> that was uh, his little eyeball popping out as his head gets crushed. And it was like, it's pretty epic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can get away with it because he's a robot. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to say, how did that How did that get by Disney? But, yeah, because he's a robot. Robot. He's a robot. Interesting. 
That's why Bronx got to eat his face off in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of little moments throughout this episode to build up. I mean, there's a moment where Wolf shouts, this isn't over near the beginning. And he just sounds so much like Hakon shouting, this isn't over. I'll be back, back in the pilot. And I'm, was that a deliberate There's echo? a reason you know for that. Yet? It's a same. Oh, I know that, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's a what, Jen? It's the same voice actor. I'm just kidding. Well, aside from that. Who knows that? that? I'm just giving him crap. <laughs> Which you are very good no, at. I mean. Even... <laughs> no, I mean, we had a plan. You know, I mean, we had a plan. You know, I mean, now you know it's coming. You didn't back then. But we had a plan. And so that was very intentional. I mean, uh you know, the connection between Hakon and Wolf is not accidental. And it's not just about the fact that Clancy Brown plays both roles. It's about, you know, uh, a connection there that we'll get to, you know, in 40 episodes or something. I forget exactly what number, but, um, just laying uh, the you know, we'll work. get there. Yeah. So we were constantly laying pipe for little notions and big notions all throughout. There's a mention of the Archmage just, you know, uh, Hudson's talking about magic, but he, and he could have just said, Oh, that seems like magic, but he says, Oh, it seems like, you know, uh, kind of magic. The archmage used to use or some line like that. And why'd we bring him up? Um, we haven't seen this guy since back in season one. Well, we brought him up cause we're going to see him in a, we're going to bring him up again. <laughs> half a dozen episodes. So let's just remind the audience yeah. that that guy existed. Cause down the road, you're going to want to know. Yeah. All right. Well, I also recently, a few months ago, I saw Ramble on Reddit, an opinion I didn't agree with, but I thought I actually thought there was a legitimate question hidden in that Ramble opinion. Um, this was a this person um preferred the characterization of Jacqueline Hyena in that one Goliath Chronicles episode because he didn't understand why they would still be working with Xanatos after the events of Leader of the Pack, where it became clear that they were nothing but pawns to get Fox out, and they think them holding a grudge made more sense as, as a characterization. So I guess, I guess they were wondering, I think it's a legit question, why I keep going back to Xanatos? Of course, my thoughts are, he's giving them all this shit. He's got money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like they're working for Xanatos. He's offering them toys, and they're saying, okay, yeah, I'll take the toys. Um, you know, they're also perfectly willing to kill him. Um, if the if that's what how it plays out, but uh, I mean, from Hyena's point of view, Coyote and Xanatos are two very different people. Um, she does not have a crush on David Xanatos, but she does have a crush on Coyote. Well, that's <laughs> um, sicker than usual. <laughs> right. One of my so, favorite lines. Yeah, that's um, you know, it's just. I mean, a it was fun. It was just this little subplot we ran through her attraction to Coyote, um, his um, complete disinterest, and Jackal's complete disgust over it. Um, <laughs> but like, it just it, it just made Hyena more pushed to the unhinged. Like she's already like really right. just gone over the edge, and now oh boy, okay, we're gonna do that now. Okay, all right, you know. Um, it, it, it's good it's good and it's hilarious <laughs> yeah where we can get comedy we're gonna get comedy yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. squeeze it comedy. out black comedy twisted comedy my favorite kind 
And I really enjoy that scene where Hudson advises Goliath that he needs to pick a second in command, and Goliath immediately wants to choose him. And Goliath, I love you. You're a little bit too dependent on the guy, which he doesn't mind, but you know, he's right. You gotta pick one of the younger ones. Yeah, yeah I mean like I... he didn't think he didn't think at all about them like his first go-to immediately no thought whatsoever was hudson yeah there was no thought at all it's still yeah hudson you of course you're the one that would replace me well i mean the thing is is hudson very consciously brings this up in front of the three of them so uh i think goliath sort of explains his position at the end which is that um in essence, he's known all along who should be his second. But this isn't a situation like it would have been at Castle Wyvern in the 10th century, where, okay, for whatever reason, Damon is no longer my second. I have to pick a new one. And obviously, it makes sense to pick one from the younger upcoming generation than it does to pick one from my generation or older, obviously, like Hudson. But what Goliath's concerned about is that, um, you know, in the old days, he'd be picking from like a group of 15 or 20, you know, and now he's picking from three guys who are really close. I mean, they are Rookery brothers, but beyond that, they are really close. And one of the reasons, obviously, is that they're the only three from that generation alive, as far as they know, right? Um, at this stage, they don't know there are other gargoyles out there. We'll get to some later, but not yet. And he's really worried about if I pick one and he knows who he wants to pick, but if I pick one, what does that do to their relationship? And one could argue that given what happens over the next month, um, he's not necessarily wrong. Um, because they immediately go the competitive route, you know. Oh, I took out three muggers. I took out two muggers. Uh, I took out, you know. And what becomes important later is if you look just by the numbers in that particular scene where they're all bragging about how many they took down, how many crimes yeah. they foiled. Broadway should be the leader if it were about numbers. Oh yeah, Broadway got the biggest number of the three. Um, but it's not about numbers. You know, it's about, uh, maturity. It's about qualities of leadership. It's about all sorts of things that go beyond, uh, mere numbers. And, um, and so, you know, it, he knows pretty much when Hudson brings it up, my guess is he's known for a year that he should name Brooklyn as his second. Yeah. But, but, oh my God, if I do that and it destroys these guys' relationship. And they're all they relation- have left. Yeah. And they're, it's all they have left. That relationship is way more important. So I'm going to pick Hudson and let him work. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't deal with it. I can't figure out how to do this. And then, they solve it themselves, you know. Uh, yeah. um, it's not like they sit there and go, "You're the guy, Brooklyn." It's just when the chips are down, 
when Goliath, Hudson, Elisa, even Bronx, all the people they'd go to for advice or succor or um, help uh, are the ones that need their help. Um, what else can they do except emerge naturally into the kind of leadership relationship that frankly they've had since episode one um, where that is, that's Brooklyn's jam. You know, Lex and Broadway, um, and I'm not just saying this because Tom's here, I swear. <laughs> uh, Lex and Broadway are phenomenal individuals. They really are. Um, and they each have some amount of leadership skill. It's not like they're devoid of it. But this is what Brooklyn was about from day one. You know, Brooklyn was about, and of the three, he's the ringleader. He's always been the ringleader. Yeah. You know, he's always been the the guy who steps up. And Lex has sort of, you know, been fascinated with technology, even back at catapults, you know, back in the 10th century. And, you know, Lex was always sort of uh, the dreamer and Broadway was the kind of romantic one. Right. Um, and those are all incredibly worthwhile things. But it was always going to be Brooklyn. And one of the things that um, happened when we were making this episode is we all knew Michael and Bryn and, and I, uh, Frank, uh, you know, had always sort of felt like, oh, well, it's Brooklyn. But I, we gave this episode to Gary Sperling. Mm. Um, and because I went to Gary and I'm like, OK, we've been working on this for over a year. And Gary and Carrie were our two you know, new story editors on the show. And I went to Gary and I said, you know, and he had watched all the episodes prior to the ones where he started working on the show. And I said, who's the leader? And he's like, Brooklyn. I'm like, okay, good. You know, I mean, in other words, I wanted someone who wasn't in, like I wanted to find out from someone more objective, mm. had we in fact planted the seeds that I felt like we had planted? And he was like, yeah, you, you did. He's the guy. So then the trick becomes, you know, making that feel in this episode like the organic right choice and not like, okay, we flipped a coin and decided uh, or rolled a three-sided die or whatever. It came up Brooklyn. You know, I mean, are there three-sided dice? Is that something you can have? I don't uh, Anyway, so. doesn't matter. Uh <laughs> I know it's four-sided. <laughs> but, uh, um, and it doesn't matter. Anyway, the point is, is that we wanted it to feel organic and right for Brooklyn to be the choice without it taking anything away from Lex or Broadway. It, it's just, that's not what they're about. That is what he was about. Yeah. And the way, as soon as it was decided, immediately we all said felt like you know said this is right this is the way it should be and every, instantly it was it all um, fell into place yes yes right and i think there was an early draft of the outline where the three were being uh that really immature you know just mm -hmm. uh um and i was like no that's not the point the point isn't that you know brooklyn gets it because lex and broadway or misbehaving or something like that you know it 
it just felt arbitrary. Like, oh, we've made them, those two act like babies so that the audience will go, well, it has to be Brooklyn. And we didn't want to do that. Yeah. They're all three of them competitive. They've always been competitive. Um, You know, but generally speaking, it's a brotherly competitiveness. At the end of the day, they still um, care about each other, you know? Um, And that's one of the big issues in the comic right now is that, you know, are these three, have they, over the course of 65 episodes and 20 plus comic book issues, have they grown apart? And um, so that to me is a, a you know big question mark, uh, um, that the comic's dealing with now. But back then, they were still very much the three musketeers and very much uh, brothers and and. We didn't want to change that. And and so it had to feel really organic. And I um, I mean, there's a lot of things in this episode. This is not one of our better animated episodes, unfortunately. There's some nice moments here and there with the creepy hyena stuff in particular, mm-hmm. I think. But um, this one isn't uh, one of our stronger ones animation-wise. But I think from a story standpoint, that sense of... Uh, of that organic resolve, I think is there. And, and so I was pretty happy with that. When I rewatched it last night, I felt pretty good about that aspect. Of it. Go ahead. We talked about, as I said, we talked about why you made the upgrades. Let's talk about the nature of these upgrades, because these things are just so freaky on screen. We were talking about the body horror aspects before Jennifer, you mentioned the thing, which I've watched for the first time all the way through. <laughs> I've seen people oh, here it's and there over the years. It's, oh, it's fantastic. I love it. Our boy Keith David's in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> there's the th- another thing, Gargoyles connection right there. Yeah. You go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and all the choices make sense. Like you had Dingo choose the armor, and he always had more sense than most of the other members. And Wolf becoming a werewolf was cool, and Jacqueline ended up becoming cyborgs. Um, although I do wonder, back in the days, say you didn't have that voice session and Laura Sancho Como didn't read the lines that way. And Fox remained part of the pack. Would she have been upgraded? I don't know. I mean, you know, now you're starting to get into a whole realm of hypotheticals. Like if this didn't happen, then what would have, and what would have, and what would have, you know, I mean, it, there's no way for me to, to sort of guess in that parallel universe. Um, But you know, from where we were, Fox was upgraded in this episode. I mean, from my point of view, oh, she uh, defeated David Xanatos at his own game. To me, the most chilling single line in the entire episode is not, I wonder if gargoyles taste like chicken, though I do love that. Line. <laughs> That's um, a great line. Um, the single most cheering, chilling line in the entire episode is at the end when Xanatos says to her, want to play again? Because they are using people. They are playing it just for the sake of their own amusement and their own sense of, uh, uh, well, entitlement, I suppose you could call it, but really just their own sense of superiority. Um, They feel just fine playing a life and death game with other people's lives. And Having lost the game, he's not mad. He's actually kind of thrilled because 
he knows he's, it's like further proof, not that he needed it, but it never hurts to ha- have confirmation that the person you love is right for you, you know? Um, and Fox is right for him. And the fact that she can beat him like this, that just adds spice to it. You know, he loves it. Want to play again? Um, you know, that can match me, him. It, she can go toe to toe with him. And, and that's her upgrade. I mean, and that was very conscious. You know, it's like everyone in the pack gets an upgrade. And that includes Fox. We were just demonstrating to you that, oh, she's on his level. It's not like, because up to this point, we might have thought, the audience might have thought, particularly an audience in the 90s, um, which at least in theory was made up of a lot of preteen boys, that was certainly our target, um, might have thought, oh, yeah, she's good looking and, and, uh, uh, and he, and so he married her, I guess, and, um, Nice trophy wife, right? You know, yeah. no. We wanted to make it very clear that um, he picked her because she's on his level. So Outfox helped with that, but that was her own thing. There was no comparison. You know, she sort of she beats him at the, in their little martial arts match, um, and she's clearly on top of things there, and he's a half step behind because. He doesn't know she's pregnant and, and, uh, she does, but, but this was the episode where you sort of go, Oh no, they're equals. In fact, she might be a little equaler, Uh um, than he is. And, uh, and he loves that. I mean, phrase it, they've got the best marriage in cartoon history. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, I mean, (laughs) <laughs> they're so in sync. They so they're so in sync, and they so just love each other and respect each other and admire each other. And yeah, they think each other is hot, of course. But it, it's just uh, you know, match made in amoral heaven. So she does get an upgrade. Nice. And circling back to the upgrades, I really like the designs that you gave this new pack here. I mean, they are very 90s, but they are 90s in a great way. I found that 90s designs, and especially in this genre, have become a bit of a dirty word because there's a really bad stereotype when it comes to them. I'm not going to name names of certain artists. Jennifer knows who I'm talking about and other listeners might. But I feel like those aesthetics, even then, you have guys like Greg Guler or Frank Parr who are able to take them and really make them work, make them look cool instead of cheesy. and I always thought they were great designs. I wish Kenner had made figures back in the day. They didn't. I hope NECA does now. Hopefully we'll see. But Wolf just looks so fearsome. And the um, Jacqueline Hyena just looked creepy and terrifying. I just wanted Wolf to have a tail. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, really, credit goes to Frank and the designers working for Frank. Uh, You know, they're... We had three character designers, and honestly, I can't remember if it was Mike or or Greg or um, even blanking out on who the third one was. Um, it's embarrassing. I, I really apologize to who ever the third one was. Um, had to bring it up, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was thirty years ago. Um, but uh, but really, you know, 
Frank is the one who who drives that. And Frank had an idea for Wolf that the animation just didn't pull off, which was that Wolf would actually have two forms. You have the base Wolf form, and then when he got really angry, he'd go even more feral and more wolf-like. And you can sort of see it there, but you don't really see the transition from one to the other. They didn't quite, the animation didn't quite make the moment of it. It just sort of changes from one design to another design. And so it looks like a mistake. Um, And and then, you know, clearly some of the animators got confused about which design they should be using where, which is, as we know from our City of Stone Demona discussions, happens periodically um and so keeping that straight became a problem so at the end wolf is kind of all over the place and i actually it ended up sort of detracting a bit from the episode but if frank had been if if the animator had been able to give frank what he asked for if this for example had been an episode done at at uh, walt disney japan as opposed to coco and also subcontracted from coco to soul movie for at least chunks of it. Um, I think that uh, his idea was brilliant. Off, yeah. Would have been just fantastic, but it doesn't quite work in the version that we got. It, there, there isn't the clarity for it. And um, someday, maybe we'll see. Um, maybe. But. Uh, but I do. Uh, I did always like that idea. It just we didn't quite get the execution we wanted. And again, as usual, you get the animation back. You want to call retakes, but you you can only a call so many, and b there's only so much time, um, literally before because back then it was all about air dates. You can't miss your air date. So, um, and sometimes uh, you know you even wind up with you know putting stuff on the air the first time that you fix between the first and second airing. But what that means, of course, is that there are now two versions of the show floating around. And there's always the risk that when they pull it out of the archives, they, they yoink the wrong, the wrong one. Out there, right out. Um, <laughs> and God Those. knows they never come and check with me and go, which one is it? They just pull one. Um, so anytime I watch something uh, for the first time on Disney Plus, I'm always like on the edge of my seat. Which one did we get? Which one did we get? Because, <laughs> for example, in the first version that aired of Upgrade at the construction site, Goliath is lured away from the rest of the group by the by the head, you know, by the coyote, uh, you know, half Xanatos, half robot head, right? Well, in the very first version that aired just one time, Goliath is led away by the giant fucking coyote robot, which is revealed because they just misunderstood in Korea and they used the wrong model, even though it wasn't on the storyboard wrong. It was correct on the storyboard, but they used the they just read the model coyote and some animator said, oh, here's the coyote model. And and suddenly the big giant robot is flying across completely scooping our big reveal later in the in that sequence right and that was infuriating and we did get the retake for that one but not in time for the first airing so the first time it airs it's just flat out wrong Um, but we got it repeated i've got it corrected for the second airing 
So yesterday, last night when I was watching the episode, it's the first time I've watched it on Disney Plus. I'm I'm literally on the edge of my seat going, <laughs> which is it gonna be? Which is it gonna be? Oh good, it's the right one. That's good. <laughs> nice. Uh but and, you know, you never know. And we talked a few minutes ago about the trio choosing their leader and how it wasn't about numbers or anything like that. Meanwhile, the pack chooses their leader by whoever bags the biggest gargoyle. A much shallower way of going about it, even though, yeah, I'd probably choose to follow Coyote over Wolf too, Dingo. I'm on with you on that one, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would too, but it still came down to the, the thing that convinces everybody is, you know, Goliath is dropped like a sack of beans on the <laughs> on the floor, you know, by Coyote. And that's, you know, that sort of uh, does the job. I think it helps that Dingo becomes the deciding vote in it all. I mean, it's interesting that it's democratic, which is funny to me. <laughs> um, uh, you know, what's the saying? Democracy just doesn't work. It's only that it's better than any other thing we've ever come up with. But it doesn't mean it works. <laughs> Um, um, as I think we're proving on a daily basis, but anyway, um, yeah, uh, but you know, Dingo's the deciding vote because be, you've got Coyote and Hyena on one side, and and Jackal and Wolf. Not that Jackal likes Wolf that much, but he's so appalled by the Coyote Hyena relationship that he sides with Wolf. So it's left to Dingo, and Dingo's sort of like. Okay, th- these are two really bad options, but I cannot get over what you three did to yourselves. Like, that is so freaking me out that I'm actually going to go with the robot. Because <laughs> at least what he did makes sense. He was a little head, now he's a big giant robot. That that I can respect. <laughs> you, three, you three are freaking me the fuck out, you know, so... <laughs> I'm gonna follow the robot because um, who knows what you'll you three will want to do next. Um, uh, and one of the things that we also consciously did in that episode um, was Dingo's constantly taking his helmet off, um, and that had a twofold purpose for us. One was that we wanted uh, to remind the audience, oh, this isn't another robot. This is a guy in a suit, right? So he keeps taking the helmet off. So that the audience is reminded, yeah, not a robot, guy in a suit. Um, But the second reason, sort of the in-universe reason, is that we felt like Dingo constantly wanted to remind himself, not a freak like these three. I am a human being and I can breathe better out of this helmet. You know, I mean, um, and, you know, I, I, I mean, really so much credit to the cast of the of the pack. I mean, we have a phenomenal cast of regulars and I think they all did a really great job in this episode, but you know, the pack are, you've got, um, Jonathan as coyote. Um, so much fun. Um, Clancy doing wolf, Matt Frewer as Jackal, Cree summer as hyena and Jim Cummings as dingo. I mean, this is a phenomenal that's crazy that Lord Sanji Como is Fox and yeah. Jonathan again is Xanatos. It's like this is a phenomenal, just phenomenal group of actors. Um quite in the there. Yeah. Um you, you know, know just, Matt Frewer, 
I forgot that he had, he had did that. I, I guest starred on a show, a series he did called Dr. Doctor. And he, he is so much fun. I forgot that he was, um, yeah. who was on that wolf? No, he's Jackal. 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 That's right. Jackal. I forgot that. Yeah. Yeah. He's and great he's at it fine. too. Like he just so is good. <laughs> uh, I mean, between Matt and Cree going back and forth there, that is just so much fun. And I yeah. absolutely love to hear Cree cackle. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's that's how we cast Cree in the first place. It's like we've got a character named Hyena. She's got to be able to to give us a, the laugh. And so it's like, who could we get? Oh well, Cree. <laughs> I mean, uh, it was just like it wasn't yeah. like it was like obviously Cree is Hyena. <laughs> There's uh, just no one else who mm-hmm. can do it. I I made this joke before we started recording, but Cree Summer got her start out as Penny on Inspector Gadget, and now she's got these razor sharp Inspector Gadget limbs of her own on this show. It's <laughs> hilarious, I think. Yeah. And yeah. And speaking of the cast, um, Tom, I mean, we didn't we didn't really talk last time about your chemistry with the rest. What was it like back then, if you remember? I know it's been a long time playing off of Jeff and uh, Bill. Bill as the trio. Um, oh, it was just, it was great. And you know, that was only my second animated job that I had done. I did uh, a goof troop, um, the goofy movie, and uh, ended up getting replaced by Polly Shore. So that was, but that was my first job. And that was, they brought me in by myself. So, so uh, Gargoyles was my second animation job. And it was the first time I ever worked with people sitting next to me and in the same room. And um, it was great. I mean, I feel like our, our, we off off camera we were kind of similar to when we were on camera you know i felt like that's the way i felt with every with everybody i felt you know the Except same way we would not trust you with any tech <laughs> <That's true. laughs> we found out this weekend that greg is actually greg weissman is actually more technically savvy than i am and oh. that's scary oh no Oh, I'm so sorry, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> How do you even function during the day? <laughs> we were trying to figure out something on the phone, and he's like, Jesus, you're worse than I am. <laughs> it's a sad, sad state of affairs. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, I got along. They, I got, everybody was so great. And Greg, it was so funny. I was going to look for this. Um, remember when they get when the show opened and they we had the opening at that uh, thing on La Cienega, that restaurant bar where they were giving out the t-shirts and it was a a, a press press junket thing and there was uh, a gargoyle uh, folder and I remember getting it signed. Everybody was getting it signed by everybody, mm-hmm. and so I got it signed by Ed and I have it and I couldn't find it, but Ed Ed Asner wrote. Um, he put Tom. Whenever you open your mouth, I get aroused, and I put <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, that was so funny!" And I just cherish it. And when he, I didn't look at it until later, and it said, "Tom, every time you open your mouth, I get aroused." I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> Such a great man. That, that is man. a great keepsake. 
Yeah, and I still have it, so it's still great. I was, it's, it was so. I was going to try to find it and show it to you guys. I'll, I'll look for our, for for the next one. I, I love how angry Lex gets when the pack is involved. I love just how over the top, like, oh, I gotta get her. Push my buttons. <laughs> what it is? Like every, like, there's not a scene where they're not holding him back for some reason. Like, <laughs> He's yeah, so those angry. guys piss me off. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> they deserve desire. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Awkward silence. Someone's got to bring it up. That commercial, that commercial that Fox records is um, oh, a little bit convenient. <laughs> well, it's designed to be convenient. You know, I mean. It's a message. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, she's, uh, she's got to be able to reach them. So she buys airtime and records something in her own voice that seems to the normal public to be a slightly odd promotional venue for the New York subway. <laughs> but you know, but you know, this the, is this is the era of the obsession commercials. So like <laughs> so you know, but to the right audience, they'll know exactly what it means. And um so the notion that a that you know a viewer would go, well, that's awful convenient. It's no, that's exactly what the setup is. It's not, not like this is I, an accident. <laughs> I know, I know. I just saying, saying that they're, our heroes are lucky that they happen to be in the clock tower at that time to hear it. Well, I imagine well, that, that, she's that was her chest that move. Commercial, you know, <laughs> all over, you know, uh, every channel and and. Uh, and you know, multiple times they happened to be there one of the times it aired on one of the channels. But uh, my guess is is that she blanketed the airwaves with that commercial that day. Uh, I mean, that night, not that day, that night. Um, you know, we don't need to show it sixteen times for that idea to get across. I don't. And I also really like that climactic battle, and they just instantly fall. I'm not gonna say fall in the line, but. Brooklyn, by his own natural instincts, and even there, he just takes the lead. He has a plan. He's the one who knows what to do. And just, um, like you said, second nature, he's natural leader of the trio. They just fall in the line, and they win. We've, we've talked about this before, how how and why it was Brooklyn. But there's always little moments. I like that Broadway goes for Dingo's helmet, and Dingo doesn't knock himself unconscious flying head first through a roof, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. and, and these other little uh, moments, especially with hyena running like a dog, appropriate, and then the that creepy body horror spidey spider form. Yeah, I mean that most of that stuff. Uh, you know, some of it was in the script, I'm sure. Um, most of that stuff, I'm going to say, uh, you know, are fantastic storyboard artists uh, under Frank's direction. Um, and uh, again, just a murderer's row of fantastic board artists on that episode. Uh, Brad Raider, uh, I, I can't quite remember uh, everyone on it, but I remember last night going, wow, yeah, that was a great group on this episode. Um, I should have, in my notes, written down who did what, but I did. Um, but, you know, uh, under Frank's direction, because he directed the episode himself, um, most of those bits were boarded that way. 
Um, there may be a little thing here and there that was in the animation, but mostly that's the board, mm. uh, the board artists in Burbank. Um, and uh, a little of it was also, you know, spelled out in the script. But most of those little touches you're talking about um, were Frank's crew. Wow. Uh, and yeah, they're terrific. Um, and again, if and as good as they are, if they'd been done by a, a, a you know, the a quality animation. of animation that some of our shows had in those days. Um, uh, you know, they wouldn't Imagine. have just been, yeah, they would have knocked your socks off, you know, I mean, you know, mind blown kind of moments, but instead they're just really cool. And if that's our bar, God, it was only really cool, you know. Um, I can yeah. live with that. Uh, I believe, <laughs> and I believe that, and I believe the next two Jacqueline Hyena episodes at least have the Walt Disney Japan animation. So we'll talk about those when we get there. But and we talk about the body horror with Hyena. Every time I see it, it's not even the, the limbs popping out. It's that one scene where her fingers just bend it's all the way back. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. wonder if gargoyles taste like chicken. Moment. It was so gross. Like. I mean, that's just creative and, you know, you've got. Uh, well, there's this great moment where Lex jumps on her back and, and it. For a second there, you feel like with Lex, you feel like, <laughs> oh, he's got her. <laughs> and then her, her foot just curves back around and taps him on the shoulder. Yes. <laughs> and it's just like, oh. So just, the, just the creepy begins yes. right there. Oh. Yes. That was really creepy. <laughs> that was great. I mean, I've seen people watch this episode and say, no, no real people would ever agree to do that to themselves. And I'm thinking, oh, there's a lot of people out there. I'm pretty sure if this sort of body upgrades were available, there'd be people who would be jumping at the oh opportunity my God, for yes. it. Absolutely. Especially the furries. <laughs> <laughs> Those fuckers will do anything. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the there's furry. there's no way that they wouldn't they would that people wouldn't be paying out the nose to get any of those upgrades. Like it's just weird. People's people's is weird. <laughs> and I, I have just tremendous respect how... for furries, and I'm I'm not going to comment on those. Uh, oh, I love disparaging remarks. <laughs> hey, I, you know. I did a, a con, a furry con, and it was great. They were the f- kindest, funnest people. My children well, are furries. So. I mean, that, <laughs> Susan that is. Comment was, that comment was made with love. It was not made disparaging, I promise you. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> no, but yeah, they would definitely line up for that. <laughs> and I would encourage them to do so. You go be you, man. <laughs> exactly. Fly your freak flag. Live your yes, best life. Yes. Do you, you do you. I believe you that completely. Unless and, you're in uh, Florida. No furries <laughs> in Florida. Yeah. There's no anything but in Florida. But a lot of meth in Florida. Some, yeah. <laughs> Remember when they had spice and they, they, they were eating, everybody was eating people's faces off in Florida? That was the thing for a while. Yeah. And now you know, we've lost all of our Florida listeners. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Oh, no, you. I love it. I love the people in Florida. They their government yeah. needs some help. <laughs> like like serious help. Now, <laughs> now yeah. please. 
Mm-hmm. And of course, back to theme, the clan is united, the trio is united, and the pack are mostly divided. So of course, the united clan comes out on top, and we've talked about how they dispatched Coyote and most of the members before that. But it's a fun fight scene. Like I said, it would have been an even greater fight scene with better animation, but I still like it a lot. It's very entertaining. It's fun to watch. But even more fun is when Morgan and his partner, Officer Trevanti, I believe, found out his name in the comic. That little line about, where do we take them? A uh, <laughs> hospital, a machine shop. Shop for the vet. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that does make me wonder, okay, they're, um, okay, Dingo, I get you, just take him out of the armor, but Wolf and Shacklin Hyena, where are they keeping them? I mean, does the vault from Spectacular Spider-Man or Bell Rev exist yet in this form of version of New York City, Greg? <laughs> yeah, like, what do you do with that? I mean... Um, I mean, they have Rikers. They go to Rikers. Um, uh, and, you know, and then they have to deal. They have to figure out how to deal with these uh, these crooks. Just need to do it like the boys and just knock them out and put them on ice. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. <laughs> All right. Well, um, my next notes here were Brooklyn's chosen as a leader. We've already discussed that and how it was no brainer. We already discussed the significance of Xantos and Fox's chess game. Is there anything that we uh, haven't covered yet from this episode? I'm good. I'm good. Tom, our guest of honor. <laughs> Any observations? <laughs> your, yours. <laughs> It was a great episode. I loved every minute of it, and it was awesome. <laughs> it was creepy good awesome. Creepy good, yeah. That was good. Loved it. Very creepy. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, um, in that case, I'm not sure when exactly this one is coming out because of our recent scheduling situation, but is there anything that you would like to plug? I'm good. I don't have anything I need to plug right now. Greg, do you want to plug something? Well, it's the Gargoyles comic, but since you don't know when it's coming out, I don't know which which issue to plug. Um, (laughs) So uh, a general plug. (laughs) Yeah, so just buy the the Dynamite uh, Gargoyles comics. uh, At this stage, while we're recording this, way back in time, uh, four issues have come out. Um, by the time you get this, at minimum five will be out, if not six. Um, and uh, seven, I'm writing the script for right now. Uh, and uh, so, you know, again, the best thing you can do for us is just to keep pre ordering those comics. Uh, got a lot of good covers, really fun covers every issue. You don't have to get them all, uh, but, you know, the more you get, the more likely we are to be sticking around for quite some time. So, uh, but at minimum, get at least one every month. (laughs) Are there stores that people um, can buy? Yeah, you can pre-order at stores. You can pre-order online. Um, uh, Either is good. Uh, Pre-ordering really helps. Um, But at minimum, you know, when it comes out, make sure you pick up a copy or buy it digitally, one or the other or both. Um, and, uh, if you want to get multiple covers, I'm not going to argue with you, but there's uh, so many covers, but get at least one. I love them I, so much. I'm getting them. I'm going to get the metal cover for issue seven. There's just no oh. way that I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get a metal cover. Yep. They're Whoa. not cheap. 
but they're pretty. <laughs> they're pretty. very pretty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I have All right. And I was reminded that I still have gargoyles uh, fair up on Redbubble. So if you go to uh, heyassbutt.com uh, and go to my Redbubble link, you can get um, some gargoyles merch, masks and mugs and stuff. Oh, cool. We should make some voices from the Eerie merch at some point. <laughs> we should. We've been talking. We got it. We, we got off the. We talked about that early on, but we haven't talked about it recently. And we should do that. Yeah. That'd All be- right. All righty, everybody. Tom, I want to thank you for coming back on, and we hope to have you on again at some point. Always a pleasure. Yeah, it's really and... great to see you guys too. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, wait, wait, wait! Something else to plug. I believe we'll be seeing you next summer. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I mean, we can definitely plug that uh, or remind the our listeners and viewers. Uh, Plan ahead for 2024 convergence in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, yeah, Tom and I will be July. there. Jen and Greg will be there. Uh, and in July, uh, is it the 24th or what's the? What's the I, I want to say it's Fourth uh, of July weekend, but I'd have to double check that. But it's definitely July of 2024. You can always look it up online. It, it's there. Uh, again, 2024, not this coming summer. The summer after we wanted to give people time and we're doing it to celebrate the 30th anniversary of gargoyles we're hoping to see a lot of gargoyles fans uh at the con um and uh, uh we'll do a radio play we'll we'll yeah. uh we'll have a, a real blast i promise we'll do all the old gargoyle stuff if you never made it you were too young or never quite made it to one of the old gathering of the gargoyles and you missed out on seeing all the old uh you know, pre videos and, and all this stuff. And, um, we'll do all that. And, uh, and I'll be wearing um, my, my boxer, my Lexington boxer <laughs> underwear. Yeah. Not show and he may even be wearing it on the outside of his pants. You never know with them. <laughs> I still have them. They're in my, my Oh, and if it, and again, I don't know when this is dropping, but in April, I'm going to be at Wicked West in uh, Loveland, Colorado. And, Definitely uh, after April, it's already passed. <laughs> all right. Well, then, for those of you who are there, I hope you had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> hope we saw you. Hope we said hi. I hope I had a good time. Yeah. Uh, me too. All right. All right. And to our all list. Right. All right. And so, Greg, thank you. Tom, thank you. And You're Jen, welcome. thank you for everything you do. do. And for our listeners, thank you for listening. And join us next time for protection. You want to know why Goliath shouts jalapeno? Tune in next time to find out. thank you for listening to voices from the eerie a gargoyles podcast powered by the spidey dude radio network located at spidey-dude.com if you like this show then please listen to spectacular radio based on the spectacular spider-man animated series which features some familiar voices you can also find these great podcasts clone saga chronicles make mine mayday amazing spider-man classics the sal buscema podcast and books of x all of this and more on the spidey dude radio network and please follow us on twitter at from eerie that's from E-Y-R-I-E and join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Network for more exclusive content. Thank you.
Where do we take them? A hospital? A machine shop? Or a vet? 